Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Recall the Midwife. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing the Series 4 Christmas special. I'm Becky. I'm Alex. I'm Jen. A reminder that this week's episode deals with the loss of a child, death and dying, and serious illness. So if those are topics you would prefer to skip this time, we understand and hope you join us for the next one. It's Christmas in Poplar, and Trixie and Sister Mary Cynthia have Rosemary O'Connell on their list. She is an expectant mother who is having twins. Rosemary's aunt, Iris Willens, lost a baby over 20 years ago when the baby was only four months old, and Iris has been mourning her ever since and pouring her energy into the local church. When Rosemary goes into labor, it's all hands on deck, and Iris is both happy to be involved and reminded of her baby's loss. It's later on, as final preparations are being made for a Christmas show, that Iris feels intense pain and goes to Sheila, thinking she might have another kidney stone. Sheila and Dr. Turner examine her and find a different cause for her discomfort. Iris is in labor. She welcomes a baby girl and, with hope and new happiness, names the baby Joy. Meanwhile, the staff at Nonata's house are busy with the holiday and concerns of their own. Patsy is still missing Delia, who has been notably quiet since her return to Wales. Trixie is now off drinking and trying to forge ahead with the polite friendship of Tom. Fred has taken up his usual job of being Santa Claus for the local children. And Violet is busy running holiday community events. When Sister Monica Joan falls ill, everyone rallies around her to care for her. She recovers but turns her attention to decorating for the holiday, something the nuns abstain from until a week before Christmas. Sister Monica Joan and Sister Evangelina argue over this, and the next night she disappears. A search commences with many ups and downs. It's finally Sister Evangelina who figures out where she might have gone, and she and Fred travel to Sister Monica Joan's childhood home. They find her there in very poor health, but she is well enough for them to bring her directly home to Nanata's house. 
she recovers and uses the funds from her pawned jewelry to buy a television. This is good timing as Tom has gotten a letter a few weeks prior about the interest the BBC has in televising a Christmas choral concert. Sheila immediately goes to work overhauling and rehearsing with the children's choir even as Dr. Turner is battling a measles outbreak. When quarantine measures are put in place to combat the disease, Sheila's choir is disbanded and prevented from performing. Tom and Sheila come up with an alternative, and the nuns and nurses of Nonata's house become the new choir. Baby Joy Willens is cast as Baby Jesus, and the performance goes ahead as planned. Whew! And girls, I forgot to even mention in my synopsis this whole, what happened to Patsy and Delia. I... I I didn't realize until I was reading the synopsis out loud, but that is the second life. most important thing that happened in this episode. Do you uh, want to know the most the most important thing that happened? What's that? Go on. Quality Street. <laughs> <laughs> I've literally got it on the top of my page. First in the quality streets of the season. <laughs> oh yes, and have, did we already talk about Quality Street in our? We last did episode? on the last listeners special. Yes. Yes. Okay. So now all of our listeners, if you need to know what it is, go back to that and you can listen. But basically it's um, assorted mixed chocolates. They're delicious. Delicious ones. Although I do prefer and... roses. Oh, Alex. Sorry. <laughs> How you. dare you? Well, we don't have any of those over here, which I think is a huge shame. Quality I streets just embody Christmas. Also, I was amazed because obviously the props department had got an old tin of quality streets for t- Trixie to carry in. I was like, oh my God, the size of the tin has shrunk. It really has. Yeah. yeah. And do you know what else is awful now, Jen? The plastic. Oh. Yeah. You can still buy metal tins because I bought my sister-in-law a personalised one for Christmas. No, I'll oh, tell nice. you what, this whole world is just going to crap. God. <laughs> <laughs> Happy podcasting! <laughs> Oh god! I'll tell you oh. what—that's that's one of the few things that I would be like time travel me back to the 1960s for, like a huge tin of Quality Street. A lot of the rest of it, I'd be like, you know what? No, I'm good, thanks. I'll I just, may I'll... not have a quality as a woman, but I will have a tin of Quality Street. <laughs> Listen, you trade—you you, got to make these trade-offs in life, and um, you know, just thank God time travel is impossible because I would be very tempted. I'll tell you what. Okay, so where do we want to start? This one's got so much for me. It was a two-parter. The way I watched it, it was like a two-episode part one, part two, because there was so much happening. Well, but that's mad. But yeah, there's a quite—I've got loads of different things. I've also got the book. Buses are a big theme here. Very romantic bus uh, situations going on, but we'll get back to that. I'll I'll Mm -hmm. highlight the buses when we do it. Yeah. I Um, just love a Christmas special. I love everything about them. I've said this before. And I'm really hoping that when Alex edits this podcast, there's a scene in it where there's just Christmas music playing. And I just wish that Christmas music just played in life in December just as you're about your everyday business because it was just so atmospheric i loved it well, i have that all the time at the moment because my daughter's obsessed with mariah carey's uh, all i want for christmas she keeps singing it all the time <laughs> really <laughs> yeah so i'm like there pushing my teeth in the morning and she's just singing it full blast <laughs> um my one of my favorite things in this episode before we get started on one of the storylines is when right at the very start sister monica joan and sister winifred are in the kitchen and um, Sister Winifred forgot to get tea for the the, the other nuns and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, and she was like, oh, I got distracted with the desiccated coconut. And I think this is probably the best line I've ever heard in the whole of my entire, entire life, like com- comedic wise, um, was like, there'll be a desiccated corpse, mine, from Sister Brangelina. 
And I genuinely was in awe of that writing. So well done, writers, whoever wrote that. That was absolutely genius. I think it was also genius because the carol service that is televised by the BBC is basically songs of praise, isn't it? Have you heard of songs of praise, Jen? Do you have anything like that over there? I mean, I'm sure we do, but I don't know what it is because we don't call it that. Right. It's just a Sunday tea time television show from a church. From a church. And then what they do is they get this, this they, exactly what you saw on screen then, but it's still on now. Yeah. But they put the words on the screen so you can sing along at home. Yeah. Oh, karaoke. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Because uh, <laughs> we, we do it so wholeheartedly. I used to so hate wait, on just like regular Sunday TV, there's like Sunday afternoon, just like a different yeah, church BBC, every week. Like... BBC. Yeah, BBC. Yeah. Do they and they still do it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't get me wrong, I don't watch Wait. it. Wait, one of you, one of you said don't... one and yes, and one of you said no. So which is it? No, I said yeah. They still do it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Still do it. Yeah. Oh. But neither okay. of us. Watch. I also nodded, which was absolutely useless because we're on a podcast. I have to say, televised church stuff is not. That doesn't happen so much over here. Not. I mean, there is plenty of it to be found, but it's not like on a main channel like that. I don't know if he's got high viewing figures, but um, mm. but it's just sure. like it's just like hymns and things that they yeah, it's just a church service, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, we have that, we have that. Apparently, it gets about a million or and around a million people a week watching it, which is pretty impressive considering it's just people being filmed in a church. Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. Well, I will say what made me laugh at the beginning was when, um, and Dr. Turner was like, he was kind of funny at different times in this episode, but right at the beginning, you know, they're doing the voiceover, you know, Trixie is opening up the Quality Street and everything. And then it cuts to the church and they're like, okay, you know, like Tom is like saying something, he's like baptizing a baby. And then it's like, all right, now we're going to welcome little kids up. And the and then like all these kids go up there and they start singing and it is the worst singing <laughs> you've ever heard. It's just like, bong, 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 bong like just terrible like no harmony no nothing tom is just like oh sheila is like oh my god this is terrible and then dr turner is just like stifling a huge laugh he's just like ah (laughs) and then it's funny because he's like barely holding it together and then that's when oh what is it cynthia i think comes and grabs him because they're worried that rosemary's going into labor and he's just like even laughing because it was really awkward because she's going into the ceremony yeah oh yeah but i noticed dr turner as well and he was he was I noticed him trying to stifle a laugh and I was like I don't even I think it, that was just real yeah I think it was it looked totally genuine it looked it looked like just the guy who plays him is was just like I I can't take this this is too funny well, they were on fire the writers this episode for making me laugh because also you know when Barbara gave them all the sweets to suck <laughs> yeah. and then literally five seconds later they all <laughs> put them into a hand I was proper like Bleh, but laughing at the same time I like it literally it was was like a whole it was she had her two hands cupped together and it was like a huge mound of like just a gross spit covered like hard candies <laughs> and she was just sitting there kind of like uh oh what do I do with this now what do I do with this now ooh. and like <laughs> and then a bunch of kids like not a bunch but like a few kids like put the the paper bags of candies like it just dropped into her lap like she wasn't even a human being you know what I mean they just used her like a like a just a receptacle basically and it was so funny oh and then just another Dr. Turner moment so fast forward but Sheila and Tim are working on the choral like rehearsal and everything and she's getting Tim to like play the music and she's like oh and do this and play the music here and like remember to accentuate this note and whatever and he's like oh but mother he's like there's a word in this line that none of us want to say or sing and she's like huh and she looks at it and she's like 
oh, is it breast? And then Dr. Nintendo <laughs> was like, oh, Dr. But Turner. Doc, I had a note here, Dr. Turner was me in that moment. I would totally be just lolling in the background. Well, he was just smoking and he was just like, oh my God, breast. And then Tim was like, I am blushing in my own home. <laughs> and like so brutish about it. And like Dr. Turner was just giving like such like dad vibes this week you know what i mean just like making a bunch of like corny jokes and just laughing at all these like goofy things that like only dads you know that like when dads are like what are you embarrassed like it's just a fart or something like that you know how like dads are always like jill i'm just this is off topic not because you just said it but the word fart when we were younger we weren't allowed to say it we had to say trump really yeah and now they say fart all the time and like my daughter says it all the time and i'm just like what is fart supposed to be like a bad word well, fart was a rude word in my house. We weren't allowed to say it. We had to say Trump. Huh, okay. What about you, Bex? We did We did say Trump, but I don't remember fart being banned, but we did say Trump. Yeah. Anyway, wow. that's by the by. Right, should we do uh, Iris Willins first then? Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh. Can I, I just say the first scene with Sheila as well, when Sheila was like, bitching about how bad the choir were to Timothy and then turned around to Mrs. Willins and was like, oh, it was just so lovely. <laughs> <laughs> But then she was like, um, oh, I know I shouldn't ask Mrs. Willens. Also, I really liked Mrs. Willens' like, quiet manner. Oh, I found it really calming. I loved it. Oh, my God. Um, I, loved, I, I loved Iris. I yeah, just loved everything just, about her. Same. I just really, I just thought, oh, I just, really well, liked, I just liked her, the vibe. And this is this is getting a little bit ahead, but like, so Rosemary, um, they all go to the house because they think Rosemary's having the baby. It turns out she's not. She just had some Braxton Hicks contractions. And so everyone's like, okay, false alarm, like just re, you know, relax, like go about your day or whatever. And so Iris is like, okay, I'll see you later and everything because she wants to be this really supportive aunt, which is wonderful. And she'd already had a conversation with her husband about how it's really hard, not just being, it's, it's hard because it's Christmas, but it's also hard because she's reminded of her baby, their baby, and, you know, da-da-da. Anyway, so then she goes into Violet's shop to buy something, and they're having a conversation, and Violet's like, oh, and how's Rosemary doing, and da-da-da-da-da, and Violet's asking all these questions about the babies, and and then and then she's kind of answering them, you know, very politely, very, very kindly and everything. And then, and then Violet says something like, well, it's just such a wonderful time of year, isn't it? And Violet, and then iris is like well yeah it it can be but it's really not always a very nice time of year for some of us and that's literally as much as she says i mean it's very she's very low-key she she doesn't you know whatever and then violet realizing kind of the you know like what iris's past is and everything because she's known her for the whole time she says oh i'm so sorry like look at me running my mouth i didn't mean to do it and then iris is like no 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 Vi, i'm sorry i snapped at you and i literally was like what i mean like it was the most like oh it's just it's not always a good time for everyone and I was like wow that is you snapping okay my goodness like (laughs) gee whiz if only we all could snap like that you know yeah but also a better place so she's clean of the church but I was saying the bit where that she was like oh the church is spotless and she was like oh yeah you know I put all my love into it and all this but when she said to Sheila was that my niece she was like Sheila was like oh I shouldn't say but yes I was like Where's your, where's your uh, confidentiality? There's no, there's no privacy in these times. Yeah. So anyway, Tom comes forward. So this is all part of this storyline. Tom um, gets approached by the BBC and he goes to the nuns at Renata's house and he tells them about the BBC coming. And obviously Trixie's very excited because that's glamorous to her. But mm. the nuns, and you know, it's the first time Julianne has been, Sister Julianne has actually been negative about something. She was like, filming in a church. And then the Sister Evangelina was like, it's nothing sacred. <laughs> I loved it. And she was oh, like, so tomorrow is a very busy day and Nurse Gilbert will be will be occupied because he was asking about Barbara. He wanted to call her Charlotte. That's because that's the name in real life. I don't know why I keep doing that. 
Um, mm. but anyway, yeah. So, well, it's because it's the name of your life, but I don't. It's not like I know her personally. <laughs> like, hi, Charlotte. Um, but yeah, so he keeps asking for her. Now he's asking for her for help because she's a Sunday school teacher. But is that all? Is that the only reason? There were a lot of glances I noticed. Backwards glances between Barbara and Tom. Well, on the I... love bus at first, that night time with the girl, with the little girl. Yeah, I I will say, and we're really jumping ahead, but I'll just say I think that the exchange of candies the sherbet's lollipops yes. thing was a was a huge turning point for them and i i have to say barbara like had won my heart a long long time i guess i guess we're just going to talk about this now anyways barbara had won my heart a long long time ago like no surprise also tom walked up to the second layer of that bus with the most massive like jar of candies and sweets and everything but anyways he walks up there and he's like, oh, and Barbara's like cradling this like little girl in her arms, like so wholesome. And he's like, oh, do you want a sherbet lollipop? And she and and she's like, yeah, go on then. You know, like I'll have one or whatever. And I don't think I really I, we don't I don't really think we have sherbet lollipops over here. Like, I mean, I guess I don't know. Anyways, but like something about them is concealed until you take the first lift. You don't know what flavors you're going to get. And so she's like, oh, pink and green. And da, da, da. And he's like, oh, you really like them? And she's like, yes. And, and I oh, I wish I'd written it. Oh, wait. Wait, 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 wait. Did I write it down? Because Barbara says a line that's so perfect. No, I didn't write it down. But basically, Barbara says, like, like some people, like, love fancy things, like, just give me a wonderful dessert and, like, I'm yours, basically, or something along those lines. And Tom but is when like... when it comes mm. to confectionery, I don't have any... She, um, Yeah, she does. She's like, when it comes to confectionery, I have no morals or... Not morals, that sounds really yeah, bad. Yeah. Like, she's just a big whore for confectionery. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do anything for a bag of jelly beans and some... You know, yeah, exactly. And Tom's like, whoa, okay, this took a turn. Um, but she says, we'll find, we'll find the yeah. quote, we'll find the quote. But she says something along those lines, and then she's like, oh, Tom, you should have a sherbet, which I actually really like, because Tom kind of is a bit up his own butt at times, you know what I mean? Like, he yeah. kind of has a he little bit of, like... He out a more playful side in him. Yeah, like, she kind of is like, go on, like, live a little, like, just eat some jelly beans, like, chill out. And then he, and then he takes a sherbet lemon, and he's like, oh, this is really nice. And she, and he, and he has a different flavor than her and everything. And then after that scene, because then when Barbara gets off the bus, um, the little girl that she was, you know, taking care of is, like, really, really sick. And her mom is there, and she's like, oh, she's, she's not doing good, but, like, give her some aspirin and then call Dr. Turner in the morning kind of thing. And then Tom is like, oh, well, I'll take care of this. And he takes the little girl out of Barbara's arms and carries her, like, he's going to literally carry this little girl home. And Barbara Barbara clearly looks at him like, ooh. And then he does a backward glance at her yeah. as he's walking away. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that bus um, reminded me of, though, Alex? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> uh, Blackpool Illuminations when we were at university. Yeah, yeah. We went to Blackpool in the, in the first week, didn't we? And that was, yeah, I didn't know practice. anyone, really, because I'd been hanging around with other people, long story. Um, but you, I lived with you two, but I, had, yeah. I hadn't been hanging around with you two. I'd been hanging around with another thing and um, that was the first day we all got to know each other yeah it was mm-hmm. nice mm-hmm. yep memories all alone. <laughs> <laughs> but we need to go back to iris willens because that's what we started talking about and then we right. yeah cradle I- she had a cradle so basically, we found out that she had this daughter called Lorna, and I really like the name Lorna. Can I just say, compared to yeah. well, when when Violet was talking to her in the shop, I just broke my heart when she Violet kind of says to her about her, and she's like, "You remembered her name, like the fact that it wasn't just her that remembered her." Yeah, <laughs> and I get what she means, forlorn Lorna, like sad, but I just think Lorna's a lovely name. Anyway, that's by the bag. Um, mm. So her husband had made the beautiful cradle when he had Lorna, and it was 22 years ago that she died. Um, yeah. She was four months old when she died. 
Wait, just just one quick comment actually because bex you said it but like something that's very important about this about that part of it is that no one else in iris's family and specifically rosemary and um i've got notes on that rosemary's mother they all like never seem to acknowledge that like this might be hard for iris that there might be parts of this that she's sensitive about that like any history at all like they just like like even when rosemary comes to iris when she's like she's like coming out of her door doing something or whatever and rosemary's like you know oh hey you know iris like how are you blah blah blah. they chat and then she's like and then uh iris is like oh well where are you off to she's like i'm going to clinic for like my final like one of my final checkups or whatever and she's like oh well isn't your mom gonna go with you and she says no she's doing something something or whatever like can you come with me and she's like well i really don't uh you know and she's like no come on you don't have anything better to do basically and then she yeah, like, I did wonder her. if that was her trying to like get her out of the shell or if she doesn't realize if, if she's not been told well see i i mean i could i could see i could understand rosemary's ignorance of the history better than i could yeah. understand rosemary's mother's ignorance of the oh history. yeah she's yeah, because... a cow. yeah because for the iris seeing rosemary that's her daughter lorna would have been i assume a similar age so it's right. like seeing a daughter exactly yeah exactly but when so yeah i just thought the same like the fact that her sister had no thought of what a difficult time it was for her well also the way she spoke to her so her sister actually wasn't at the birth iris was of the twins Um, and iris she actually had a daughter first and then she had a son but iris was left holding this daughter which in itself must have been so challenging you know just even being able to do that straight away from Mm -hmm. birth after her experience but then the sister, a sister walked in, part like just as the boy was being born, didn't she? Yeah. And the, oh, oh, honestly, it made me so angry. She was like, "Hand her over." The way she spoke to Iris was so disgusting. I would have punched you, baby or no baby, yeah. in the arms. She was just like, <laughs> "She's like, give her here, give her here," and then she just took the baby out of her arms. And Iris like just literally looked like so bereft after the baby was taken away. And I was just like, in her defense, I think I would have snatched that baby just as quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a legendary baby snatcher, Bex. You've she been really baby is. snatching every single episode of this podcast. <laughs> you're always ready to take somebody's baby. So, so true. <laughs> anyway, so on the back of this, there's also, so she's now got these nephew and, well, yeah, great nephew and great niece, isn't it? Right, um, exactly, probably. yeah. But also, um, her husband made this beautiful cradle that I mentioned before, and they were talking, thinking about when they found out that her niece was pregnant, maybe giving the cradle to them. Mm. And then obviously they were having twins and it worked out. And she was like, I'm so glad I didn't give it to them in the end. They've got these really smart new things, but obviously there's two of them and she just didn't feel right. Because they're horrible mm-hmm. uh, giving it yeah. to you. So the cradle is important because obviously it comes up in the nativity scene. But let's just talk about the BBC for a second. Do you okay, recognise <laughs> the man, Jen? Yes, I do. Yes, definitely. He's been in so much, my God. Do you recognise him, Beck? I did recognise him, but if you asked me, Oh, from Gavin and Stacey. Yeah, he's Pete from Gavin and Stacey, but also <laughs> another alumni from um, a show he, he, that Chummy was in. Chummy's starring show that she had oh, on her own. Sh- is it Matilda? Miranda. Miranda, Miranda. There we yes. go. Yeah, he was in Miranda. <laughs> was he also in Harry Potter? I feel like he'd be a Harry Potter person. Do you know? I don't think he is. Um, he might be. I've not, I can't think of a big character he is in Harry Potter. He's been in so many things. He's like always a character actor in so many things, but he's so good. He is yeah. brilliant. But he's brilliant oh my brilliant. god. He was he brilliant was... in this, to be fair. We cannot have anyone looking poor. <laughs> he must have been in Harry Potter. I, I couldn't think of who he was, but I don't know. Anyway, so my apologies. Iris gets pulled into um so she's the cleaner of the of the church. 
mm-hmm. and she gets pulled into putting on this church production. Mm-hmm. So they're getting all these kids together. So she's organizing everyone, getting costumes made. She's making sure the whole place is ready. She's holding auditions with uh, Mrs. Turner and Tim to get uh, singers who actually can sing. And Tim's like, Mum, can I have a can I have a, can I have a biscuit before? And she was like, No, you'll get crumbs on the uh, on the piano keys. And she's like, Quick, <laughs> grab yourself a gypsy cream. To Tim, I loved that. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Also, you know Kate- I, th- I thought though, like Sheila was like, Don't be flustered. All you have to do is write down. What did they have to write down? Their names, their Name, ages. Ad- Name, address, and age. Address, and then tell them to go like sit in the chair, basically. Yeah. So she says don't get flustered, but then opens the door to hordes of children. (laughs) Yeah. And then many of them just like run right over to the chairs. They start playing. They start jumping. Half of them are in like angel outfits. I mean, it's... it's. But they do get the promise of a hot Ribena. Lush! Oh, (laughs) I love a hot Ribena. It's my favourite. In in winter when it's, you know, really, really cold. Oh, hot Ribena. Lush. Yeah. Um, and we've already said what Ribena is, right? Yeah, I'm sure we've done it before. It's just a like a like cordial. a concentrated juice water. Yeah, black currant yeah. cordial, not blackberry. I just wish yeah, those would catch on in the currant. US. I've never, I've never seen them here unless they're in like some kind of a specialty store or something. That's mad to me. They're just I huge know. over here. I know it's a real bummer. It's a real bummer. It's such a lovely drink to drink. Um, anyways, anyway. moving on. Yeah, so, so they all got a hot Ribena at the end of practice. Yep. Yes. So anyway, so they she gets this choir sorted. They can sing. She's chuffed. Everything's going tickety-boo. Iris is getting everyone, all the pals on the seamstresses, getting costumes together. It's going to be ready. The glitz and glam is on for the BBC. <laughs> Woo! Then the measles hits. Dun, dun, oh, dun. I know. Got back to the love bus with, uh, <laughs> with Barbara and Tom. Barbara's little girl, that she, not her girl, Barbara's little you know. the girl she was looking after. She had to be carried off by Tom and she's looking longingly at Tom like, oh, he's so strong, he can carry a child. Then <laughs> a 60-year-old child is no hard work for Tom. Yeah, really. So oh anyway, so this child is then um, diagnosed with measles and then there's more that are diagnosed with measles and then there's a big epidemic, which means that schools are closed early for Christmas, but it yeah. also means no clubs, which means no choir. The way uh, the way Dr. Turner was like, I'm glad you feel uh, happy about that, Sheila, because it's your choir too. And she's like, what? And she <laughs> well, has and just, a, just a quick note too. Like, okay, this episode is taking place in 1960, like Christmas of 1960, 1961 at the latest, right? So uh, 1960, I think it is, because I think it's going to be 61 in the, next, in the next time. But um, they don't have a measles vaccine, okay? Just, just to say, I got a measles vaccine when I was growing up. I'm sure you guys did too. Yeah. Never, never have known anyone who's had measles. Like, never been an issue. Very privileged to say that. But just, you know, and like how longingly Dr. Turner was talking about, oh, they're developing it now, but it's not ready yet. Like, I wish we could avoid this. And then again, sorry, just because I'm always a killjoy. Like, Tina's mother says like, oh, well, you know, like, I thought it was just, can't she have antibiotics? You know, like, wouldn't that fix it? And he's like, no, this is something different. And then she says like, Tina was having like hallucinations. She's like been, you know, like really suffering and everything with this. And she says, I thought this was just like a, like the flu or like a cold or something. And he's like, no measles isn't just the flu and like he really is driving home how serious this illness is like tina's really 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 sick so anyways just like measles is making a comeback because people aren't being vaccinated i know i I mean we don't have to get into a vaccine conversation but like just medical (laughs) medical yeah i mean uh, let's just you know this is exactly the time and the place for that oh god i just (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, really, truly. But just, just to say, like, anyways. Anyway, back to the BBC show, the Razzle and Dazzle. Showbiz must go on, Jen. So. Yeah, really. So, Mrs. Turner was obviously, there's no, there's no kids now. But she was amazing when the man was all like, what, no kids? There's no show without kids. And she was like, you bring your cameras here. We'll have a show. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Can I just not forget the part that it was very like, oh, what's that? Oh, what's that? Um uh Christopher Guest movie about the about the thing. Oh, I, I'll remember it in a minute. But um it like the the guy about from the, the thing. <laughs> I, know. Well, I know. I, I always do this. I always do this. Well, Christopher Guest is like one of my favorites. He's made so many good he did this is Spinal Tap. He's done Best in Show, like so many Oh, Waiting for Guffman. That's what it was. That's what it was. So like Waiting for Guffman is about is about um kind of a local theater production basically. And so there's a lot of talk of like stagecraft and like you know, acting and all these different things in it or whatever. And the guy from the BBC was giving me very, like, Christopher Guest and, like, waiting for Gotham energy because he was like, oh, we need this and we need this and we need the sparkle and we need the razzle-dazzle and we need, like, the audience to feel all these things and everything. And then Tom and Sheila go to his office and they're like, look, I hate to tell this to you, but, like, measles is broken out. Like, all these little kitties are getting sick. Like, we, we've we had to cancel all of this stuff in order to protect their, ki- their health. And he was like, well, he's like, when I was their age, I was cast in Peter Pan and Miss Dubavre's production of the you know beautiful play and he's like and did I miss every night of that performance because I was feeling ill no I did not I went on and so she was like well you know da, da, da. and he's like okay we can find another way and then she says and by the way I am so sorry that you were made to perform when you were a child and suffer even though you were ill and he just gets this look on his face and he's like oh you know, like almost like a tear's gonna drop down or something it was just it was just so perfect she like really well, so, got him. So she did. And Sheila's plan was to have midwives singing. Now, can I just say, I know we've not talked about it yet, but it's in the middle of Sister Monica Joan going missing. Yeah. I'd be I thought that was a bit much, if I'm honest, asking them to <laughs> sing for a TV production while Sister Monica Joan's missing, presumed dead. I mean, Let's be honest. Say, I mean, she does say I realise this is a bit much, but she still does it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we'll carry on with Iris. Yes. So Iris starts having loads of trouble now. She's got kidney stones at first. Everyone thinks she's had kidney stones. I've had kidney stones. They are horrific. Although, yep. can I just say, childbirth is more horrific. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, so she was in the back of the church and she started getting pains. And Sheila, bless her, considering how much she had to do and stuff, she was like, no, we're taking you to the doctors. I know she probably thought, get on with it. But she took <laughs> it to the doctors. And what happened? She had a baby. They found a heartbeat in her little tummy. Oh my god, she was panicking. She started shaking, and that is exactly how I would be if I was having a surprise baby. Oh yeah, can you imagine? Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, a surprise pregnancy is is definitely shocking enough, but like a surprise. Oh, I'm giving birth right now. Surprise. Ugh. I I don't even know. I don't even know how you would like cope with that. Like I can't imagine. I think I'd pass out. But bless her. Like she literally came to. The, was the church service that day, or was it the following day? It no, pretty- not that. Not that day, not that day. It was. But it was she a- turned up with like a what a two day old baby. Yeah, yeah. Also, I really wanted to see Rosemary and Eileen's reaction to the baby. <laughs> yeah, they'd been well annoyed, wouldn't they? That's our yeah. really good point. Eileen would. Rosemary would. Pre- Hang on, we're talking about the labour. She was really scared. She didn't feel safe, but she said Sister Julianne was the one who delivered Lorna. Yeah, um, oh. and Sheila got Sister Julianne there. And Julianne was like, I've often remembered her in my prayers in a calm voice. Do you know what she's like? Oh, no and, one. oh my God. I just started crying my eyes out. And I didn't know. No one soothes the soul 
like Sister Julian. So true. But also, can we just have a shout out to Dr. Turner for holding the cigarette of, <laughs> of Mr. Willen? Nice, a nice steady drag, as if he's like and, administering medication. Well, he held his note, yeah. Uh, like, He's going like, to be really disappointed when he finds out about cigarettes in a few years. Oh, no. And then they decided to call the baby Joy, which was joyous. It made me cry again, um, oh, even God, though I do feel yeah. on it, but I still loved it. But I love oh, the way she's like, we, we haven't about... got a vesture and mitten for the poor little scrap. So can we talk about, we need to, when Iris went into Violet's shop, because again, no one's ever been in that shop before now, but now everyone's in there. Um <laughs> Violet makes her buy raffle tickets and they're basically what would you, what what would you call it? It's basically a starter kit for someone who's had a baby. Yeah. Um, so she makes Iris buy two tickets for her niece and nephew. But I love it that Violet then rigs it so that she wins the raffle. I know, I loved it. I said, Violet was wicked. She put all eighty fours and eighty fives. Perfection. I, she could have just picked it out and just pretended it was eighty four and eighty five. I loved her commitment to it, if I'm honest. <laughs> I love the fact that he just she told him what he was doing and he just did it. <laughs> As every good husband in Call the Midwife knows, that is what he is supposed to do, yes. Oh, but then, so they'd already donated the cradle to the church for this uh, for this occasion because she was so yeah. proud of the church and she wanted to show it. But then it was her baby, Joy, going into that. Wow, Joy was so cute, wasn't she? Oh. In, the, in the cradle, in a wool. I, t- I will tell you, girls, when, when Barbara went and picked up little baby Joy... And she brought her so lovingly over to that cradle and laid her down. And then the camera gave us a beautiful view of that little angel in yellow little knitted outfit and like a little white blanket with a little scalloped edge and like a little knitted bonnet and like her little hands and her little... And lost it. (laughs) Oh, I I just couldn't take... I mean, that was the most like cutie, round, roly-poly, lovely little lush baby. And I think... All the babies on Call the Midwife are so gorgeous, but we all oh, been no. watching. Thanks <laughs> to Dipper, she's got a list of all the ugly babies. But like the thing is, like after watching Iris's story, I think that's why just the cuteness and sweetness just really got yeah. me extra because it was just like when you've been in that just like place for so long, and then all of a sudden it's like she just has this perfect little angel, and I just oh my gosh, I just I I was already gone. I mean, no surprise to anyone, but seeing that little little cutie patootie. Oh, well, I'm annoyed it. at myself for not watching um Call the Midwife back then because I only watched it from 2017 onwards, so I didn't watch it then. So I'm I was so annoyed at myself because imagine watching that on Christmas Day, you'd be like <laughs> with Quality Street. Um. Also, do you know what else really annoyed me? So have you heard Charlotte Ritchie, who plays Barbara, sing in real life? No. She's who amazing. Plays, who She's plays Charlotte? Singer. Who plays Barbara? Oh, Barbara. Oh, no, 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 I haven't. She's no. in a, she's a, she's got like this singing duo she's in. She's really, really good. Um, But it was, it was, I thought they were going to show her singing. It was Laura Main who's got a gorgeous voice anyway. But oh, I thought yeah. they were going to show her singing as well. Um, She's amazing in real life. I just really wanted them to have her singing. Mm-mm-mm. And And who wasn't a good singer? Should we should we highlight that little comedy? Like, oh, poor Nurse Crane! I'm the Nurse Crane of the situation. She is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're we're the Barbara and Sheila of this uh, trio right here. I love how Nurse Crane thought that gargling with whiskey was going to help the situation. 
Hey, it's well, worth a try. And then Sister Evangelina like shocks her while she's gargling, so she swallows it, and she's like, "Oh no, I wasn't supposed to swallow that." And it's like, "Oh, honey, like don't worry about it. It's not gonna make a difference one way or the other. So just enjoy it. I get a little buzz." Trim. Now, can we save the best till last and have Patsy and Delia last because it just made me so happy? Yes. Sure. So shall we talk now about Sister Monica Joan? Yes. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> So Sister Monica Joan is really excited for Christmas, but for yeah. some reason, because it's not the custom in an artist's house, they won't have decorations up until the 18th of December. Which annoys me because she's four score and ten. Like, just yeah, let just her have put a Christmas tinsel up tree. if she wants tinsel up. And yeah. On the flip side... This woman has been a nun for 60 years and she doesn't know that it's enough is enough and don't bother worrying about Christmas decorations until December 18th. Good grief. Yeah, but also she's not a selfish sheep. Well, she's ill no, again, she's remember? Mm, and yeah. she was forgetful with the Christmas pudding. So the Christmas pudding exploded. Now, can I just say, I don't blame Sister Monica Joan there. They know she's forgetful. I blame Sister Evangelina, Sister Winifred, Sister Julianne and every other sister in there. That is I... not. That should not be her responsibility. I kind of blame Sister Winifred because, look, if you're going to make it, like, you got to take it to the finish line, girl. Like, come on. You can't just do all that work and then leave it. I mean, give me a break. Also, especially not leave it to somebody who's non-compass mentis. I mean, I can barely leave my mom if I have some bread baking, you know, to trust her to like. She does not have any I was about to say, there's nothing wrong with your mom, Jen. (laughs) No, no, no. There's absolutely nothing wrong with my mom, which is all the more reason why she should be able to. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get Get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Manage something like getting bread out of the oven. And she, to give her credit. No, my mum does this. My mum puts food in the oven and then she just goes off and does something else and then completely forgets See, my mum doesn't do this, but my mum doesn't listen. Whereas yours both probably do. <laughs> we'll see. And you were just slacking them off. Here's the thing. I'm gonna throw my mom out of the bus. Okay. Here's the thing that my mom will do. I'll oh. say, "Oh, mom, like I'm, I like the, the the bread is in the oven. Like you have to take it out and like now." And she she doesn't do this anymore because I've kicked up such a fuss. But I'm like, the bread is coming out in 32 minutes. Like set a timer for 32 minutes. And she's like, "Okay." And then the timer go off, and she'll hit the timer button, and be like, "Yep, done, got it." And then she'll still sit there, and she won't get up and get <laughs> the bread out of the oven. And she's burnt my bread before. She knows this. This is no surprise to her. And then, oh my god, we love you. We love you, Jen's mom. (laughs) I love her so much too. But like, oh my gosh, the conversations we had to have about thirty minutes being thirty minutes and not thirty-five or forty minutes. Like when it comes to stuff like that, is just. Anyways, she doesn't do it anymore. She only did it a couple times, but because she's learned a lesson. (laughs) Yeah, really. Right. So back to Monica (laughs) Joan. Sorry to your mom. 
but speaking of mothers, so Nurse Crane's looking after uh, Sister Monica Dion, and she says, Mother has been looming rather large this evening, I'm afraid. Mm. So it was actually a seamless, uh, seamless intro to that, Jen. So oh, I thought, you, I thought you did that intentionally. Yeah. No, no. I tell you what I was loving though, the community, like obviously it was a Christmas episode and they were intermittent with like Christmas music and stuff. But I was loving like the community, everyone taking turns to look after Sister Monica Joan. Yeah. yeah. When well, Barbara was sad. Than no tinsel. Yeah, when Barbara was sad that she couldn't go home for Christmas, I was like, I'd rather be in an artist's house, I think. Like, no offense to any of my family that's listening. <laughs> <laughs> and we thought me blasting my mom for not getting something out of the oven was bad <laughs> oh i did feel so sorry for barbara though but she oh, did manage bad, to yeah. be with her family on christmas day because they've got a tv so they could see yeah. her they could watch her on tv yeah like it's rubbish for her she can see them but still mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so sister monica joan is upset that she can't decorate for christmas and i don't think it just comes down to decorating i think she's already i feel as if she's already gone down that 100 yeah infection it's just, it's, it's just yeah. the thing that's like she's getting tweaked about this week you know what i mean like every week it's something else like in a few months yeah. it'll be something about an easter bunny or whatever like that you know what i mean like but again she it's told- caused by the fact that she has this water infection that's made her go do lally they think she's yeah. got some form of illness to do with her memory anyway and it just makes her play up basically they don't really go into it in detail no she talks about how christmas is a time to revisit one's roots and especially she's especially upset when barbara can't get home for christmas and then her and sister evangelina get into it and the acting oh i know that fight was as real of a fight as like as as we've seen in a while i mean like it just it just was so it was so i don't know if the two of them kind of improvised improvised parts of it or if it was exactly written that way and then that's how they performed it or whatever but like that is really the fight of two people who are like family and have like lived together for like 10 years bella needed to have a hug after that in real life because that was intense man yeah yeah she was because sister evangelina was like you never knew what hardship meant and she was very biting with it she was very cruel with the way with her act with the tone and everything with her yeah and and then sister monica jones screaming i did i didn't know (laughs) the drama the drama and then sister evangelina carried on being mean and it really annoyed me well it annoyed me that sister julian didn't say anything yeah she was just sat there and watched it all unfold also i was i was annoyed with sister evangelina because we know from the books that sister evangelina had a very hard upbringing yeah um, and she's kind of born and bred in the east end so she she knows the hardship so but i just think you can't like for a nun how can she put herself in and we know that sister monica jane comes from a very privileged background but that doesn't mean it was a happy childhood Exactly. Well, they, they were using the word hardship in two different ways. And that was, yeah. again, the writing being so impressively subtle and really accurate on both of their accounts, because Sister Monica Joan did have like a like a hard upbringing. Good insight, Jack. Yes, I know. I'm, I'm a genius if no one realized this until now. But um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but then Sister Monica, jo- Sister Evangelina was talking about hardship of a completely different kind, you know, like yeah. one that was, you know, really practical, really, you know, real in the day to day. And um, so they both were right. I mean, and and look i'm usually frustrated with sister monica joan um but i will say it was it was sad to me when sister evangelina kind of kept going with it yeah that was what upset me that was that was a weakness of character that she does not usually show and what you could what i really felt was that like her pride and stubbornness got in her way for a really long time until she you know finally kind of put it away and realized what was really important which well, was well 
I think obviously we we do know because obviously then Sister Monica Joan goes missing, mm. but Sister Evangelina is the one who really takes it to task trying to get it sorted. Trying to, she obviously feels yeah. very very guilty as yeah. she should. Let's be honest. Um, also, you know when they were talking well, about that? Just one thing, you know when they were saying, "Oh, we've asked asked her where everyone could be. We asked where a nephew is. A nephew's skiing in Switzerland, right? Yeah." So <laughs> Bloody hell, can't he pay to go and see them rather than take money out of the fund for the taxi? <laughs> you can pay for the bloody taxi. Yeah. Also, oh. it's it's the, his housekeeper who lets them know that he's skiing. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, I will say though, like it like it, it was I definitely it was it was sad that Evangeline was kind of acting the way she was acting. And I, you know, obviously not great that Sister Monica Joan ran off, but again, it's like you guys, you know that this woman is mentally compromised like a good amount of the time and especially during this time where she's like really ill and she's like kind of you know saying cuckoo things in her in her bed and everything why don't you lock the door lock her door like put her on 24-hour watch something you know what I mean like good grief like I feel like it was a failure of all of them to keep her like adequately no I 100% like in there so anyway when Peter oh sorry go on I was gonna say when Peter they report Sister Monica Jane missing. And when Peter asks if there's anything that's happened that might have triggered this, Sister Julianne was so diplomatic not to oh say, my God. well, Sister Evangelina has basically just had a go air. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, truly, like, that is, like, UN-level, like, diplomacy right there. You know, that is, like, stop a nuclear war in its tracks, like, diplomacy right there. I mean, that is, like... Well, it didn't even deserve it, though. For a Nobel Peace Prize right there. Huh? Didn't deserve it. She deserved to be outed for her behaviour. But Sister Evangelina is feeling very, very guilty and she goes to get the tree um, for, and she does it, obviously, for Sister Monica Joan. But, you know, yeah. Sister Monica Joan ain't there, mate, because you showered her and she left. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, everyone's all looking. The police are looking. Fred's looking everywhere. Everyone's looking for Sister Monica Joan. Um, and a body is washed up in the, in the, uh, mm-hmm. out in the docks. Mm-hmm. And, oh. The reaction. This was this was really traumatizing. I felt. it was. I mean, traumatizing then, is too strong of a word, but it's it was really upsetting. I'll say it, it was, was really Glee. Upsetting. But Sister Monica Joe, no, she wasn't there. That would that would have been good if she was. Um, Sister Evangelina and Sister Julianne went to identify the body, and they're acting at first. You thought, <gasps> mm. is that? But then now, it wasn't. What they went through was traumatizing. And I was thinking about this as I was watching it because I was like, if you genuinely worried that the person you loved was going to be under that sheet, that would be so incredibly upsetting. Um, looking at a dead body is also upsetting, obviously. And then and then also the thing you must feel after it's not the person that you thought it potentially could be is also deeply upsetting and they even say they're like oh this poor woman and then there's a scene with sister julianne later where she talks about you know nobody this woman this woman passed away and no one's missing her no one cares about her like what happened like the lack of someone to care for you it is like she feels that that's a failing on her part even though she didn't even know this lady and they're trying to put together something for her so that in in death she can have some respect and dignity when that's not really what she had very much in life it seems i mean oh my gosh I just really felt for all of them in that. I just thought it was so sad and horrible. It was. But in the meantime, we then... So, obviously, we don't know where Sister Monica Joan is either. We think maybe that's her body. Anyway, in the meantime, we then see Sister Monica Joan going back to her home place. um, Yeah. Her home place, her old house, her home place. (laughs) Hello, here I am in my home place. Welcome to my home place. Welcome to my home place. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, anyway, she goes back to her old old house, which is absolutely massive. Um, And there's a childhood home. A childhood home, thank you. 
and yeah. um, the squatter's inside and uh, she's like you may stand aside and admit me <laughs> she was so <laughs> forceful they're like, oh. lovely squatters they were they were nice well they care about the planet Bex do you know what I mean they care about yeah, like true them. hippie true hippie you know and, like uh, and yeah. And the guy was like, so this is before my time. And he was like, she was like, all the world is before your time, child. That, that line <laughs> made me absolutely laugh. That was a really good one. That was a really, really good one. Now, do you know what really annoyed me here? So so anyway, Nurse Crane's practicing a singing with the whiskey. Awful singing. And mm-hmm. Sister Evang- and she says to Sister Evangelina about um about uh, the home. Now, Sister Evangelina, like Nurse Crane's in bed, about to go to bed, but she's got a car. If I was Sister Evangelina, I'd go and get the address and said, you've got a good idea there, let's get in your car now. But it then cuts to her getting the address and then going to the police station and then grabbing Fred. Just get Nurse Crane to do it. There and then. No. Why? But then it's fine. Is, I think it's is fine. Nurse Crane delivering babies? No, she was in a like, nightgown and stuff. Well, the, the thing is also, like, Sister Evangelina had to look up the information, which she had to go dig around, like, all the paperwork for. And then she was like, oh, I'm going to go talk to Peter to about it. And then I'm going to go talk to Peter about it tomorrow like because the police are really the one who's supposed to be taking care of this i mean she only enlisted fred after she was like oh you're the police weren't moving fast enough okay fair enough fair enough although i would have done it that night but that's me yeah i love that she flagged down fred and he just went i do yeah but he'd do anything for sister evangelina and for sister monica joe but I love how he was like, oh, I was, I was, I was going, I'm driving to the countryside. Like it's, you know, like it's so far now. Okay. Wait, girls, here we go. Now this is especially for our, for our non-England listeners. Okay. I looked up in Google maps yesterday because they say, oh, the, the childhood home is in Berkshire and from London. Right. So now I know Berkshire and London are not they're like both big places or whatever, but I just did a really quick Google search, like London to Berkshire. That's 54 miles. Okay, for Sister Monica Joan to have traveled all that way by herself, that was, I was like, oh my goodness. But for Fred, it was like, he made this whole big thing. He's like, oh, I've been driving in the country. And like, it's like, okay, well, you drove for an hour, like, or maybe like. Yeah, but he's got a car, he's got a van full of Christmas trees that'll have used a lot of like weight and fuel. And also, it's not yeah. as in the olden days, there weren't that many. Well, the 60s is yeah. not about people listening now going, stop saying the olden days. I don't know. I just but, feel like, like, this is like this is something like we've, we've talked about, like, literally for the past 20 years in our friendship. Like, yeah, but there's not so many bypasses and things like that. Yeah, in, I think days. it would have been smaller roads. He wouldn't have been, I think, the speed that he would have been traveling at. Yeah, but, my, but, but the thing is, like, I mean, and again, this is just a difference in perspective. So it's not like either one of us is right or wrong. So I'm not criticizing or like lifting either one up. But like, when I think we're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no it's just different because like the thing is like you guys will say like you guys will be like oh like you just did that in a day and I'm like yeah I drove seven hours in a day like it was just a day drive like no big deal and then to you like it's like oh it was such a long drive it was like an hour and a half two hours and I'm like okay like we're just we're just operating on different scale like it's just a totally yeah. different way of looking at things like British people just generally are like oh 45 minutes like wow that's really a trek and like literally like for, for a lot of Americans, like, 45 minutes is just, like, my commute to work in and out. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, again, no one's right, but it just made me laugh because it's, like, 54 miles for an old lady, like, walking. Like, yeah, that's really, really far. But when Fred just was, like, oh, my goodness, you, Vi, you won't believe the day I've had, you know? And then he's, like, I'd murder well, I think it'd take him, something. if it was 54 miles, uh, I think it'd take him with all that, probably around two hours. Okay. That is a much, long though. time to be sat with a Christmas tree <laughs> and Sister Evangelina. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, there's no side on that truck is there no. si- what do you mean no side on the truck was there's it door- there's doors on both sides was there no yeah, i think there isn't there isn't there definitely was it was like one of the open one of those open truck things no i don't think so um the other thing i would be more concerned about is, <laughs> is like where are they gonna put sister monica joan i mean to y'all's point like the back is filled with christmas trees like 
where's the third person supposed to sit? I don't know that there's even a bench or anything back there. So that point, well, then, I totally Then she take says about how she's pawned her mother's jewelry and she can afford to get a taxi back. So, oh, a taxi. That's right. That's so right. they've just abandoned Fred and left him in the freezing cold cow. But, wait, but then Evangelina says, no, I think you'll find your chauffeur is already here. And I think she's meaning Fred in that. Yeah, yeah, she, she does mean that. Fred because then, then she, the money that she has, she buys a TV. Oh, and she buys the TV. TV. Yeah, because yeah, the taxi would be, God, millions. I mean, millions. Also, can I just say, I genuinely in the thoughts Sister Monica Joan was going to die when I first watched that episode she oh, was so I, I poorly she was as well I and then well, and obviously it's says... Christmas episode you think she's old yeah um, but she's been sick before this is the last yeah hurrah. but then she when they start praying, praying to together my maker and everything yeah. yeah but then they start praying together and it was a really really moving I just really I just found it very moving so it was really what well was, acted. what was that thing that Sister Evangelina put up to her like face or nose or whatever she was like oh here like have this now you'll feel a lot better and it was like some weird like cup thing with like a with like a tube or something like that did you guys see that when she walked in and she's like this will make you feel a lot better you know what I'm talking I about? just thought it was some medicine but I didn't know what that thing was I was like is that like a some kind of a breathing thing or like like hot like mentholated something something i don't know anyways it doesn't really matter but mentholated yeah. cigarettes i think the aroma <laughs> is very... <laughs> it's very refreshing it's a very pleasant aroma uh, anyway <laughs> uh right okay, can we so talk get about... her back to poplar poplar she's yeah fine, she's blah, alive blah, blah. she has a tv everyone's happy yay now let's go to the more important thing here patsy, patsy oh my god i forgot we hadn't even talked about this oh geez okay oh, so oh you, you oh, set it oh, up out oh, you're right love bus the love bus is the real <laughs> place where people can get together right so we've had tom and uh, not trixie Freudian slip we've had tom and barbara have a bit of love on the love bus and mm-hmm. then um, so they take some kids on a school trip. Uh, well, it's not school. It's like a Cubs trip, but it's like a Christmas bus and Fred's best dresses. Oh, I just really want to go on that school, but on that on that bus, it just looks so amazing. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Patsy's there as part of like the club leaders or whatever, and um, she's on this bus. And who should be stood? What street is it, Bex? Is it Regent Street or something? Yeah, it'll be Oxford Street or Regent Street, won't it? Yeah, and there's like Christmas decorations everywhere, and who should be stood there? With her mum, with her mum, but Delia. Delia. And she sees Patsy. And Patsy, did Patsy saw her as well, didn't she? Yeah. Patsy saw her more than Delia saw Ugh. her. My heart, even though I couldn't remember it properly, my heart probably stopped. I was absolutely yeah. loving it. And then yeah. Delia was like trying to style out style out that it wasn't affecting her to her mum, like with her mum, or like just t- trying to act normal, but she'd just seen Patsy. Oh. But in la- last week, we spoke about Delia and her mum and said, do you think her mum realises who Patsy is? And I said, yes. But I Delia, don't, I don't said no. says, Delia says no, because Patsy asks her that question directly when they're in the cafe. Yes, but, but why I think is her mum intercepting the letters? Yeah, and I don't think Delia would have said anything in the letters because... Delia reassures Patsy that her mum has no idea. She says, like, she only knows that you're... So she can't have have said something in those letters that Delia... Because Delia obviously realised then that her mum's intercepted the letters. But the thing is, Delia does give a reason for it, which is that my mum doesn't know we're together, doesn't know anything about any of that part of it. But she just doesn't want me to live in London anymore. She wants me to come home and stay home. And so like her cutting, the mother interfering interfering with Delia and Patsy is a way of her cutting her off from her London life. And that she thinks is going to make Delia want to stay at home. And and so that that was a good explanation, I actually thought. Um, but that's not the real reason, is it? What do you mean yeah. it's not the real reason? 
I think she did it because she realizes even if she wanted her to come back to Wales and didn't want her to stay in London, why did she intercept the letters? There's no reason that Delia couldn't correspond with a pen pal. Well, because she didn't want Delia to feel that she had any connection to her London life. No, Jen, she knew that she's a lesbian. <laughs> she did, but I, I, I totally think she did. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Anyway, we've also we've also fast forwarded here. So she sees you on the bus. They see each other. It's this big thing. Anyway. Patsy's coming home from work and then Delia just jumps out of the shadow like an absolute stalker <laughs> of the night. <laughs> and Patsy doesn't really know what to do with herself. She's like, I need to get changed. Yeah. So they then then cut to the scene of them two in the cafe and oh, my heart was bursting. She was just like, uh, so Delia was just saying how how much, it was just this really, it was, it was like they were saying so much without saying so much because they both mm. didn't want to say so much, but also they're in public, so they can't say too much. But she was like, mm. don't break the thread. And I thought, it's a bit rich from you, love. You're the one who uh, broke the thread in the first place. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But, oh, I was just so happy when they patched things up. So, 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 so happy. I know, I know. Wait, here, you guys keep talking. I'm just going to look up something really good. She's trying to prove herself right. So the phone no, box. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm joking, no, I'm, not. I'm, joking, I'm, joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, but there was another scene with the phone box and those two were about to kiss in the phone box and um, um, so obviously they've agreed that she's definitely going to come back they're definitely back on everything's all back on and I'm so overjoyed for Patsy and Dealer I just loved it so much but they were in the phone box and they were about to kiss and obviously it's a glass phone box it's not the brightest idea girls Um, but this guy's banging on and he's like there's people out here waiting and then Dealer says oh there's people in here waiting and oh it was just the most beautiful line and I just loved it so 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 much I mean I think Patsy's got a right to be annoyed that Delia, I don't know, I do feel like Delia could have got in touch with it. And I know that Delia, well, no, do I think that? Because Delia did say... She was recovering as well. Yeah, Delia did say that she didn't want to, first time she saw Patsy to be in front of everyone. And then I was like, well, why didn't she ring? But then you can't guarantee who's going to answer that phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it'd still be just a friend, wouldn't it? If it, yeah, you know, but, it'd be like, oh, is she there? Meet me here at this time. But then they, everybody else would know Patsy was back. Um, Delia was back. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, Go but on, could, she could be pretending she was calling from Wales. Oh yeah, she could have been. Bad moves, Delia. Carry <laughs> <laughs> um, have done it a lot better. Yes. Well, what what are you saying? Oh well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna add that, again. I feel like every week we have to like recommend a TV or a movie show, a TV or a movie show, a TV or a movie or something like that. And and the thing that made me think about this was um like with Delia talking about how you know they can be together, they can have the apartment together, and you know like even in the did you guys already talk about the phone box? Yeah. yeah sorry. Okay. Um, oh, she was listening then. <laughs> I know. Well, I had a Bex moment and I zoned out of our own podcast. <gasps> <for a second. laughs> um but anyways it may but like patsy and dilly made me think of this documentary i watched on netflix a few years ago called a secret love and like it's it's a complicated story there's a lot going on with it but it's basically the story of two women who um meet fall in love get together in the 1940s and then they stay together all throughout and kind of you know how they navigate a relationship and then the movie picks up with them it 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 gives the full you know it gives a lot of their backstory as well but then it also talks about them as like an aging couple and and the complications around all of that and everything but there's what's what are the name of the two women in it it's um pat and terry and terry is i can't remember which one is which i'm sorry to say but anyways um delia reminded me of the the one of them that was kind of the more outgoing and everything like that and then and then um patsy reminded me of the other one who's a bit more reserved because i feel like in their relationship delia is always kind of saying like how much she loves patsy and how much she wants to get married to her and 
like they try to kiss in the phone booth and everything like that but Patsy even though she does have all those feelings she's much more reserved about it and anyways it's not a story that's very told very often and this this documentary was a real life version of it so um I just I just wanted to mention have you seen Gentleman Jack oh no I haven't I've, it's I've, good. I've been, it's been recommended to me. I need to watch that one as well. It's actually, it's not really very similar because Gentleman Jack, the the lady in it was just so blatant with hers. I just loved it. That's what, that was also what was ace about it, how she was so mm-hmm. blatant about it in those days when it was so frowned upon. Um, mm. But yeah, that's, that's also one I'd recommend. They've just stopped making it, sadly. Wait, let me look it up. It's with Samantha. Oh, this one. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it's had who else add in Ada from Peaky Blinders who played I, that mother Sue Rundle, Sophie Rundle. Yes, who played? Yes. She played that. What did she? Who did she play? She played the mother who who um with the with the lights by the window who had Renly as a husband. Yeah, she had like a psychosis. Yeah, childbirth. Baby yeah. 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 Sophie Rundle. Yeah. Well, when we're talking about people playing people, did you recognize who Iris Willens was? what she's been in no i've seen her in so many things and i, I agree cannot remember one the last thing i've seen her in because obviously again i've seen her in so many things the last thing queen mother in the crown that's where i've seen <gasps> her yes she's the queen she's the queen mother when claire foy is the queen right she must yeah. be she must be she must that, be. that would be the only one where it would work age-wise and everything yeah. Oh my goodness gracious. One more scene I want to talk about really quick is the Christmas scenes when they're all watching telly at the end and everyone's all happy and they've got a brand new Christmas pudding and Sister Monica Jones home well great they've all watched the concert they've sung for the BBC and then they're watching it. Tom looking at Sheila not Sheila that would be wrong Barbara <laughs> <laughs> Like he might be looking at Sheila, but he's back up the road. Tom was like, yeah. Sheila really brought this together. Yeah. <laughs> they did um, yeah. work together I'm on the TV show. Oh, the yeah. little glances between Barbara and Tom. And Tom I just loved I know. it. So well. well. And and just just it made me think too because then because tr- Barbara and Tom are sat really close to each other like Barbara's sitting down and then Tom is right behind her near the Christmas tree and then Trixie is like fully on the other side of the room like in a red dress like smoking a cigarette and I was like oh there is gonna be some stuff to figure out if these two decide to go forward but I mean you can already tell Barbara and Tom are so much more on the same page Ugh. yeah yeah really one hundred percent even the fact that Barbara is the Sunday school teacher I know I know I know she's no. just naturally well like even the way that she was with um little tina when she got sick and everything else because oh, no. you know they she was just like oh yeah just just took it in stride 100 like didn't even think twice and and actually different. and this has just occurred to me that there's there were two scenes of tom on a bus wasn't there because when yeah. he went on the date with trixie and the bus broke down and the boys not an accident back these writers know what they're doing mm-hmm. yeah and, Tr- and trixie did not cope well whereas barbara just took it all in her stride yeah gotta put him back on a bus See how so they do on anything, the bus. She was very excited about confectionery, which we all know Trixie wouldn't be. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Well, I mean, Barbara is kind of the perfect foil for Tom because, I mean, like we'll see it more as as we go forward. But I mean, they are really, really, really well suited. But she also kind of, I mean, he. <sighs> Yeah, I, I, I said at the beginning, like, he just kind of is, like, a bit of a stick in the mud at times. And, like, you know, his whole thing with Trixie last week, like, oh, I'm off to sit with the dying man. And it's just like, okay, I mean, we get dead it. Man. Like, dead man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm off to go sit with the dead man. Whole different show. Whole different show. 
Oh god, yeah. And Tom just kind of needs to be like, I don't know, he needs a little bit of like shaking up in his life. He needs a little bit more like kind of someone to like tell him. He to needs a of... bit more confectionery. Yeah, he needs he needs a bit to get over himself. He needs that sweetness. Heroes and zeros, then, ladies. Bex. My hero is gonna be Violet G. <gasps> or it, no, Violet Buckle. Oh she yeah, is it is. Violet oh Buckle. yeah, that's right. Firstly, and obviously back to series one when I spoke about if I could be anybody, I would be Fred. Now I want to work in Violet's shop. Oh yes, I'm it's just so a dream you. job. The notions. Oh, when 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 Iris went in there and she was like, "Oh, I need a three hook elastic extender from a brazier," and she says, "Oh, would you like cream, tea rose, beige?" I just was like, "Put me in there! I want to be sorting three hook expanders." Oh my god, I just I love a notion shop. It's uh, all the trims, all the threads, all the oh yeah. When I was younger, my hairdressers now um, it's on a call. And it was Mrs. Newell's wool shop, and we used to go in there loads. But it sold everything just like that. My grandma used to love going in and getting stuff to fix things and different needles and different wool. But it was just like that. So partly because of Violet's shop, she's my hero. But also just the fact that she recognised that Iris was upset and that she remembered Lorna Mm. and how important that was to her that she remembered. And then my zero is going to be. So it worked out with the Sister Monica Jane thing. Yeah. But at no point did anyone say like you can't just wander off. So who's wait who's the zero? People letting her wander off? No, is it or is she? Maybe that's not my zero. No, that's not my zero because she was ill. Yeah, she was ill. So what well, is but they, but they've known that she's had these issues. Sister Evangelina for... is my zero. But gaslighting Sister Monica Jane. <laughs> did she? Did she gaslight her? <laughs> yes, she did. She told her that she'd never experienced hardship in her life. <laughs> I I don't think that what Sister Evangelina did in that argument was very nice. But I don't know if it. I don't know if it really meets the definition of gaslighting. But yes, it was very. I feel mean. like gaslighting I... gets thrown around a lot of the moment. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, that's like how I said traumatize. I'm like, wait, can't, I can't use this word. This is yeah. this is not an appropriate use of this word. Okay, now, my hero was going to be Barbara. No, it wasn't. It was going to be Violet. Sorry, but you stole that. <laughs> oh, I was going to let Violet be, uh, by being a wicked woman and changing all the things. Uh, but no, mine's going to be, and, and how, how she had such conviction doing it. But no, mine's going to be Barbara for looking after Tina so well. I just love her. And also, she, was, she voiced her opinion about Sister Evangelina, and not in a mean way, but Sister Evangelina made sure she felt the wrath. Yeah. Um, so I'm sticking up for Barbara there because because she didn't do it nastily. Now, my mm. zero, it was going to be Iris's sister, but Delia's mum's made me so angry. <laughs> <laughs> even if she didn't realise about her daughter's relationship, which I think she did, mm. even if she didn't, the fact that a daughter who had a brain injury was trying to reach out to friends, sending letters to them, and she intercepted and didn't send them. I don't think three letters would have not gone by accident. You know, you can, one letter, fair enough, down the side or whatever, but three. Yeah. Yeah. Billy's mum is my zero of the week. I shall never forgive that. Fair. Okay. So for my zero, I thought about this a lot. Um, <laughs> um, I'm going to do, I'm going to do the measles outbreak and not having a vaccine. I know, th- I I get it. I get it. I can hear, I can hear the feelings. But I'm just going to say, uh, measles is very, very serious. And, and I, and I will at least, I want to give the show this credit that like, it showed something that a modern audience who was watching it in real time when it first aired probably wouldn't have experienced and like it's really really serious and we are very blessed and lucky to have the medical science that will give us a vaccine and so people don't have to experience that anymore and we should take that seriously and I'm not going to make a big speech about it more than I just have but just to say measles is terrible and no one should get it if they can avoid it and, and wear sunscreen yes and wear, <laughs> wear your wear your SPF and you know just take care of yourselves okay 
All right. And my hero, I don't think I've ever done this as a hero before, but I, I don't know. It just came to me. The writing. I'm just going to give a hero to the to the writing of this episode, okay? Because... I agree. It, it was amazing. It is really hard to have a show like this with so many moving parts, so many different characters kind of dealing with things, agendas, like, you know, trying to get a message across, you know, trying to, you know, deal with the Christmas. And it just, it's, it's really, really hard to write a good show, a good episode of a show, much less a whole series or a whole like multi-series, you know, thing. And this episode, like many, many episodes before it and since, extremely well written, but just want to value and give credit to the people who made it possible because if you don't have a script you don't have anything i personally think i'm very i really of that opinion and i don't know if anyone's going on in the u.s right now but you know we we want to take care of the people who create our you know um shows for us and so yes big hero to the writing as usual a job well done this episode especially was so there you go love it now um i just want to say a few things we did a few shout outs last week so i just want to do a few more Um, yeah so I've got a Laura Wonderling who says, hey, ladies, love the pod. Um, Jen, I'm a fellow American. You always refer to the deleted scenes. Have you considered watching the DVDs? Um, <laughs> she's not wrong, but also I do quite like the way you don't so we can highlight which ones are the scenes and which ones aren't that you miss. So I actually yes. quite like that. Wait, tell me the name of the sweet listener again. Uh, Laura Wonderling, which is an amazing name. I hope it's real. Oh, it is. It is a very good name. Uh, Laura, I love and respect your opinion and I value it. Um, I currently do not own a DVD player and I wouldn't even know where to get the DVDs. I mean, I would be able to find them, but yeah, I'm I'm a slave to Netflix like so many of us. So I appreciate okay. your comment. Next one is Narelle Ledwell. Um, she says, great episode as always makes my Monday morning. You make our Wednesday evening. This is when we're recording. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I want to say hello to J- Jana Smith, Jana Smith, Jana Smith, J-A-N-A, Jana. Jana. Jana? You know what, I'm, how bad am I? Oh, Jana, it could be Jana. She said to someone here, start again and listen to Recall the Midwife podcast after each episode. I love listening to their insights and thoughts. And when they discuss things I don't, didn't notice, they are so much fun to listen to. We love you. Aww. Likewise, feel the exact same about you. Yeah, Bonnie Robbins-Reedy says, I really enjoy the podcast. I listen on my way to work and it helps put a smile on my face. This is the one who said about the 800 milligrams. We've already said you, but we'll give you another shout out because we uh, <laughs> love the fact that you've uh, you've been on to us. Um, and then <laughs> another one from today that we got is from Beth Markle Wallace, who said, your podcast makes driving to work bearable. I enjoy the recaps very much. Well, thank you very much, ladies. Amen. Um, also, Beth must have one of our long journeys, Jen. I was going to yeah. say, she, she's in the 45-minute commuter club like we all are <laughs> over here. Yeah. Um, I've got two bits of exciting news as well. Number one, my husband has made some T-shirts <gasps> designs, so I will put them up to show you, and we'll uh, I'll tell you the details of the part of, of the shop we've got. I've got as a red bubble shop, so I'll put all the details up soon. But uh, could, I'm about we to could send... we could launch those in our listeners' special. Well, also I've uh, I've got um, some uh, proofs to show you. I've just sent them through to you both now. Okay. Second of all, I have personal news that's very exciting. <gasps> Nothing to do with Call the Midwife. I have Eurovision final tickets. <laughs> So if anyone is going to be at Eurovision final, give me a shout. Um, I'll put. I'll, I'll get. A, we're going to wear Ukrainian colours. So um, 
and my husband's actually already bought a blue hat and he's wearing a yellow t-shirt for Ukraine <laughs> and I'm going to wear loads of glitter and stuff for Ukraine so uh, yeah just uh, just if anyone is into Eurovision as well as uh, call the midwife if you're uber cool like me uh, just give a shout out coolest girl in the world yeah true fact mm-hmm. so yeah but that that's all really um, that's uh, that's everything Amazing. on that there's just been a weird bit of admin at the end but uh, yeah so I'll, I'll put the so, ooh, what's, what's the personal announcement going to be <laughs> and then I knew it <laughs> Oh, yeah, you two know that. I was so excited when I got tickets. It was like the actual final as well. Yeah. I, I'm i sure there's overlap between Call the Midwife fans and Eurovision fans. I'm sure there is. And I'm sure there's also overlap between Call the Midwife fans and people who have tickets to the Eurovision final in the UK this year. I'm sure. Well, well I don't know. It's not that many people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Some people in Britain care about the coronation and some people are Alex who care about the Eurovision <laughs> final and they know what's really important in life. <laughs> yeah. Eurovision. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's the whole world coming together in song. It is. It is. Beautiful. Go the UK. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Oh wait, actually, do you want to share who you who you think you're going to be rooting for, or has it not even gotten to that place yet? Well, my favorite even... song is Denmark, but they're not going to win. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm also going to be voting for. Uh, I'm voting like I can do anything. I'm also going to be rooting for the UK. I've I've been listening to all the songs. I know them all. I love them all, apart from um a few. But um, I think that Sweden are going to win. They do have mm-hmm. an audience voting option, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard. Yeah, but I'm going to be uh, in the actual crowd. I'm not going to be. Oh, you won't be voting at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, maybe you can in the crowd. I don't know. I've never been to a final before, so. Yeah. I'm very um, okay, so do we want to tell the listeners what we're doing in next episode? Yes. Next okay. episode, we are Jen. We're doing the series recap of series four. So that's always one that's fun. We, you know, kind of cherry pick out really, you know, fun. Maybe not the headline, you know storylines in the episode to kind of discuss again and then after the series recap which is our next episode will be our listener special the following episode so if you have questions if you have things you want to ask us about if you have you know anything you want to inquire about just reach just out lovely messages but we'll take them yeah we'll take anything literally anything you want to want to tell us that's you know um any any requests about eurovision as well i'm uh, <laughs> quite the expert so uh... yeah if you just, if you just want some other random movie recommendations that just we really really enjoy and like don't really have anything to do with the show but like you just think we have really impeccable taste which by the way we do like please ask like we will definitely <laughs> tell you <laughs> Right, so thank you so much for listening. Um, Remember to follow us and subscribe and rate us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Follow us on your podcast, uh, wherever you listen to them, Spotify, Google. Exactly, wherever you can. So, yeah, thank you so much for listening and uh, we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Merry Christmas. Bye. See you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.